From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will provide insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Today's devotional is entitled, Following Leads to Honor. The text is John chapter 12, verse 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. The highest service is imitation. If I would be Christ's servant, I must be his follower. To do as Jesus did is the surest way of bringing honor to his name. Let me mind this every day. If I imitate Jesus, I shall have his company. If I am like him, I shall be with him. In due time he will take me up to dwell with him above, if, meanwhile, I have striven to follow him here below. After his suffering, our Lord came to his throne, and even so, after we have suffered a while with him here below, we also shall arrive in glory. The issue of our Lord's life shall be the issue of ours. If we are with him in his humiliation we shall be with him in his glory. Come, my soul, pluck up courage and put down thy feet in the blood-marked footprints which thy Lord has left thee. Let me not fail to note that the Father will honor those who follow his Son. If he sees me true to Jesus, he will put marks of favor and honor upon me for his Son's sake. No honor can be like this, Princes and emperors bestow the mere shadows of honor. The substance of glory comes from the Father. Wherefore, my soul, cling thou to thy Lord Jesus more closely than ever. Working on you, my dear friend. 
At this season of the year, the thoughts of God's people turn with special emphasis to the miracle of the Incarnation, the incomprehensible truth of Emmanuel, God with us. To assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, we're happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas. Written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer, The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book containing 24 devotions, each including a short scripture reading, several paragraphs, and a concluding to think about section that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus on the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make this inspirational booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. You may call us at 864 That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We encourage you to request your free copy of The Twelve Days of Christmas. On today's broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues a message called The Many Faces of Saving Grace. The text is found in several portions of Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, which recount three episodes in the Savior's ministry, the raising of the son of the widow of Nain, the anointing of Christ by the woman named only as a sinner, and then the service rendered to Christ by a group of women which included Mary Magdalene. In restoring to life the son of the widow of Nain, the Lord Jesus showed his compassion for the woman herself. As she walked by the body of her dead son, all she saw was grief, tears, and loss. These are the results of the curse. Christ looked upon her in her need and showed himself to be the only one who could reverse the curse of sin and bring life. Then, for the woman regarded only as a sinner— Christ brought cleansing and freedom from guilt. Now here is Dr. Cairns to bring the next portion of this message, The Many Faces of Saving Grace. 
God is not in the business of merely isolating great talent or great ability. He's in the business of blessing people who go all out for him. Wasn't it Murray McShane who said, it is not great talent that God blesses so much as great likeness to Christ? That's what he's looking for. Oh, that God would advance a work of grace and faith in all our hearts then. And of course, we may use these passages as a challenge to the men of the church. The emphasis in these passages is not accidental upon the grace wrought in the lives of women. That's not accidental. I think in some ways it's somewhat prophetic. You look at most churches, and you'll find certainly in godliness and in prayerfulness and in dedication and devotion, there are more women than men. Why should that be? Why should it be? Why should it be women who are so busy looking after home and children and all the rest that goes with it? And they're not too busy to be in prayer meeting, but the man is an eight to five or eight to six or eight to seven job, and he's too busy to pray. Why should that be? Let it be a challenge to us. We can make all the excuses we like, but there is no valid reason under the sun why godliness should be at a lesser level in the men of the church, that the work of grace should be slower in the men of the church, that faith should be wanting in the men of the church more than in the women. It ought not to be. I get worried at a movement that's gaining popularity. It thinks it's reformed. It's deformed. It's not reformed at all. A movement that wants to ban women from praying in the church prayer meetings by misusing a couple of Paul's statements and overlooking other statements that Paul makes and want to ban them entirely. We have even had people infecting the free church with the same rubbish. All I can say is God help the church when its praying is devoid of the support of godly women. God help the church that shuts the mouths of people who, like these women, know what it is in abandonment of all they are and have to Jesus Christ, know how to lay hold of the throne of God. I trust that the man, including the preacher, Well, take the challenge. Confess our sins before our God and no longer be found wanting. Now, I don't want you to think that I've started preaching yet. All I'm saying is these are ways that suggest themselves that you could use these passages. But, of course, I have been emphasizing throughout that I'm dealing with the biography of the Lord Jesus and as part of the biography of, of Christ, what impresses me about these episodes is that Christ's dealings with these women illustrate his saving grace in, his many, in its many-sided operations. I want us to think, therefore, of what we read very simply and briefly and see the many faces of saving grace. We look at Christ and the widow of Nain, Chapter 7, verse 11 through 18. And you'll see that in grace he relieved her grief. 
Now, here's a glorious picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ at work. Outside the city of Nain, the Lord Jesus met a funeral procession. He saw a weeping widow and her son lying dead, being carried to the grave. And Christ's compassion gave her a life-giving word. He stopped the procession. He laid his hand on the bier. Difficult to get the proper word for that in English. It's not a coffin. It's not quite a cradle. It's uh, something like a stretcher. I've seen a funeral over there, an Arab funeral, where very much like this one would have been, and it was a bit like a stretcher, lying open, with a body view, open to view. The Lord Jesus came, touched it, stopped the procession, spoke to the young man, told him to arise, and he arose and began to speak. Now look at that passage very carefully. You'll see in it the curse of sin. There's death, there's separation, there's sorrow, there's desolation. You look in the face of that widow, and you get a picture of the face of the world. It shows us the tear-stained face of a suffering world, and that's the curse of sin. By one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men in that all sinned. The curse of sin. But then you see the compassion of the Savior. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her. I want you to see this. Now, obviously he saw the funeral procession. Obviously he saw the young man. Obviously he saw and heard the wailing crowds. But he saw her. and had compassion on her, and for her sake, he raised her son. It's amazing here, nobody asked him to do it. She didn't plead. She didn't pray. She could see nothing. She didn't even see him, I think. She saw nothing beyond her tears. You ever been there? You get your tears so thick you can see nothing beyond them. You get the darkness so great your faith cannot penetrate it. She couldn't see him or she didn't even pray. Furthermore, nobody else interceded for her. There wasn't one person there who cried out to Christ. On other occasions, there were others who turned to him to implore his interposition on behalf of a needy one, but nobody prayed for her. Not even one of the disciples suggested that he could do anything for her. But out of the goodness of his own heart, he had compassion on her. And then you'll see his life-giving power in the word that he spoke, verses 14 and 15. He says, Arise, the young man arose, and he spoke. Now, this miracle out of compassion for this one woman tells us very clearly that though the miracle of the raising of this young man teaches us much about grace, its sovereignty, for example, its irresistibility. Now, those are two big doctrines I'm not even going to get into this morning. But if you can't see the sovereignty of grace that Jesus stopped this procession, how many other people died in Israel that day? 
I don't know. But I want to tell you, there must have been quite a few. He stopped that one. Could he have raised everybody who died in Israel that day? Certainly he could. But he stopped this one. That's sovereign grace. He spoke to a corpse and he said, Young man, arise. And I'm going to put it very bluntly, that young man could not do anything else but arise. There's no way he could stay dead. Why? Because being dead was not his choice. It was his curse. And when the curse was removed, Christ gave him life. There is sovereignty and there is irresistibility. When people start arguing against irresistible grace, in their ignorance they always quote, Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. So grace is resistible. Well, don't compare apples and oranges. The grace that is irresistible is the grace of regeneration. It is when Jesus stands over a dead soul and says, Live! And the glorious truth of Scripture is that there's nothing in heaven, earth, or hell that can overcome the command of Christ. There's nothing that can reverse the sovereign power that's in that command. So we learn a lot about grace. But when you consider that though these things are true, the intended lesson of this miracle mainly centers on what Christ did for the mother. It was out of compassion for her that he did the miracle. In other words, in grace he relieved her guilt, he wiped away her tears, and he did so by dealing with the cause namely the death of her son. Didn't overcome her grief by diverting her attention. That's what the world does. It's not Christ's way. He didn't wipe away her tears by allowing her to become so numb that she no longer felt anything or wept. No, he dealt with her tears by removing the death that caused them. By demonstrating his divine purpose and power in a wonderful and unique way. Here's saving grace. Deals with you where the curse has caused you grief. Removes the curse. Relieves the grief. Follow it one step further to the woman of whom we read in verse 36 and following, the woman who was a sinner. And in grace, he removed her guilt. Now, it may be that the city referred to was the city of Nain. It probably was the same city. Certainly must have been a nearby one. That the Lord Jesus Christ uh, dealt with this woman and went to dine with Simon. Very difficult to say precisely why Simon asked the Lord Jesus back home that day. It's hard to understand what he had in mind. Uh, You could look at it uh, benevolently towards Simon, or you could look at it a little more critically. And you could be right or wrong. I'm not quite sure why he asked the Lord Jesus. But one thing does stand out. Jesus went. 
whatever the evidence, and there was plenty, of a great lack, not only of faith, but even of respect in the heart of Simon for Christ. He asked him to come, and Jesus went. It's a beautiful thing when you look at the life of Christ. Whether it was a Pharisee or a publican, whether it was Simon or Matthew, when they invited the Savior, he came. That's still the same today. What's missing in our homes is Christ. And he's willing to come to the heart and the home where he's invited. He came to the home of Simon. Now, Simon showed no great grace or kindness to him. He failed to observe even the common courtesies of an eastern host. It's obvious to me that he had benefited benefited little from seeing and hearing Christ, even though Christ had done a great miracle. It had not benefited this man too much. For when you look at how he thought of Christ, it was in a very despising and disparaging manner. Despite everything that Simon had seen and heard, he rejected Christ even as a prophet. This man, modern parlance, we would, the tone here sounds like this fellow, if he were a prophet. Obviously, he didn't believe that he was a prophet. And it's obvious that he didn't believe that he had the right or the power to forgive sins. So clearly, Simon lacked both faith and love. Now then, contrast the woman, and it's a striking contrast. Could hardly be more striking. Here was a woman, she was not a Pharisee or a female version of a Pharisee. She was a sinner. A woman of the city who was a sinner. I think that's saying more than that she lived in the city. I think, I think it's saying in a euphemistic sort of way that this was a woman of the street. This was a woman who was known as an obvious breaker of the seventh commandment. She was a moral leper. But she had seen Christ, and she had heard Christ, She had witnessed his power, his compassion, his love, his grace in dealing with the widow and dealing with her son. And she believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The result is that before she even entered the house of Simon, her sins were forgiven. I can say that for two reasons. Number one, the, the uh, parable that the Lord Jesus told would be meaningless. Otherwise, when she poured out this love, it was the evidence of sin already forgiven. And in verse 48, the Lord Jesus says, Thy sins have been forgiven. The word are is a perfect tense. Thy sins have been forgiven. That's something that has happened in the past, and its benefit and blessing is continuing right into the present. So she believed, and she was forgiven. And because she was forgiven, she loved much.
been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 